Welcome to the County Pulse, Episode 2. This podcast is developed by the Virginia Association of Counties and shares with our listeners the pulse of Virginia county governments. I'm Dean Lynch, Executive Director of ACO, and your host for this segment on rural connectivity for the Commonwealth's counties. With me as guest, Joe Lurch, Director of Local Government Policy, and Kaki La Riviera, Director of Intergovernmental Affairs for the Virginia Association of Counties. First, Joe and Kaki, what I'd like to really talk about is connectivity in the rural, in rural Virginia. Broadband, wireless, it's all the same. It's really broadband. Wireless can be a part of the broadband. But in Virginia, we know that we have many unserved and underserved counties. Primarily, this is very important for us because of educational needs and because of growth of economic development. Hard to grow Virginia county governments without the Internet. Can you tell me, in your all's opinion, why this rural broadband is very important? Besides education, besides economic development, what are we hearing from our counties? Yeah, Dean, I think for our counties, it's connection to the Internet. Without it, you just can't operate in today's world, whether it's education, it's economic development. It could be for health care reasons as well, getting access there. It's really important. And I think it's also important to talk a little bit about what broadband means, I think, in in basic terms. It's just any high-speed Internet access that's always on, and it's going to be faster than what we always remember as the dial-up when we first started using the Internet. Well, so, Joe, it can be wired or it can be wireless, right? Correct, correct. So it could be wired through fiber optic. It could be wired through your telephone lines. But then there's also a wireless provision, which is really important in some of our rural areas where there isn't a lot of cable out there or fiber optic. And so it's a way to get to that last mile. And really, in in terms of wireless, too, I think it's important to note that as we switch to mobile phones now that are basically handheld computers, they need that broadband um, Internet access, whether it's wired or through a fixed wireless. Well, Joe, can you tell, tell me what we're doing in Virginia for our counties? What are our counties looking at and trying to find ways to deploy broadband? Sure. So the General Assembly back uh, 12 years ago actually set up in law for localities to create what are known as wireless service authorities so that they can work with a private developer on creating a broadband uh, where the current types of telecoms aren't providing service because it's just not within their business model. And we're starting to see the beginning stages of uh, funding assistance from the state uh, through what's known as the Virginia Telecommunications Initiative. And I think Kaki can provide some more information on that. Kaki, tell us a little bit more about the about this fund. Sure. So what we're doing right now at the Virginia Association of Counties is that we have a blueprint for broadband. And basically what that is is a four-step plan that deploys broadband into rural localities in Virginia. And I'll just quickly go over the the four steps that we have. The first is to set the rules, and that's what the defining what is the minimum standard for high-speed internet in Virginia. And so what we put in our plan is that that would be 25 megabits per second for downloads and 3 megabits per second for uploads, with the goal of getting 1 gigabit per second for uploads and downloads. And the reason why we picked that is because the Federal Communications Commission had that as their standard definition back in 2015, and it's important to set a minimum threshold so that we can chart our performance in years to come. The next is what Dean mentioned earlier, really defining those unserved and underserved areas. So we don't have that anywhere in the code in Virginia, 
And it would just be helpful to understand that for mapping purposes, because the maps we use to see which area is served generally takes information from the National Broadband Availability Map, which the information comes from telecommunications providers. And the way that they provide information, they're incentivized to over-report. So being accurate is really key. The next two steps really are taken together. We look at successful partnerships across the Commonwealth that utilize existing infrastructure, but also look at really structurally what makes sense for partnerships. So we're seeing a lot of electric co-ops, and we're seeing a lot of wireless service authorities that Joe's mentioned partner with local governments and also with smaller telecommunications providers to really expand the broadband service into local rural areas. And so really our last step brings it home and really puts that support behind those small projects. So we're looking for increased state support that's a bit more flexible for our different local partners. So we have two different ways we want to fund those projects. The first is fully funding the Department of Housing and Community Development's $14 million budget request for this past year for that fund that Dean had mentioned earlier, the Virginia Telecommunications Initiative. The next is we want to establish a Tobacco Commission-like long-term fund. So what we want to do there is make sure that funding is flexible for our partners, and we want to make sure that local governments aren't tied to those high local match requirements that we generally see and available funding at the state level for broadband projects. So that's kind of where we are at the state level, but at the national level, we're trying to do the same thing, really make those funding partners have incentive and have the flexibility to help our local partners get broadband into rural areas. So we've put together a resolution for the National Association of Counties, and it really just helps streamline the grant application process for cooperatives to engage in these projects. And these grants and loans come from the Rural Utilities Service, which we can talk about a little bit later. But as you can hear, we have a lot going on at the Virginia Association of Counties. Kecky, we do. That sounds really good. And it sounds like we are moving forward and being proactive in trying to provide this connectivity to rural areas. Joe, can you tell us a little bit about the support that we're getting from our state? What are we hearing from state agencies? What are we hearing from the federal government in terms of Sure. I'll start with the federal government. Uh, Kaki had mentioned the Rural Utility Service. And actually, with the most recent uh, congressional spending bill that became law, there's going to be $600 million in that going through the RUS. So hopefully that's something that Virginia localities can get a hold of. Also, the FCC has taken the final steps towards finally opening its long-delayed Connect America Fund 2. And simply what that means is they're going to disperse $2 billion in federal money over 10 years to support new broadband infrastructure in rural areas throughout the country. And so going back to Kaki's earlier point, what's going to be really critical here is making sure the maps are accurate. And that's one of the things that we want to support here uh, with VACO and the state is to make sure we're identifying those areas because if they're served, then they're not going to they're not going to get uh, those federal funds. Joe, I've got to ask you about these maps and Kaki about these maps. So, you I mean the maps that I see on the commercials on the TV where Virginia is all red are not really accurate maps? 
You're right, Dean. One of the big issues is the federal definition for what a served area is. And the issue that we've been hearing from a lot of our stakeholders in conversations across the state is that the definition for service can be there's one provider and one census block that's providing service to one person or a subsidiary is providing service to one person. And then that area is deemed served. Imagine that. So really... There is no truth in advertising, I guess, correct? <laughs> some would say. <laughs> Joe, can you tell us some examples? What's happening in Virginia? Who is doing this good in what counties? Sure. One of the great examples we have is on the Middle Peninsula, and it's King and Queen County. And Gage uh, Harder, who uh, runs our Achievement Awards program, you know, one of the things that we gave was our Best, uh, Best in Show Award uh, back in, I think, 2016 for King and Queen County for really an innovative program where they took their existing public safety radio towers that ran along the line in the county, and they used that to outreach to businesses and homes who put antennas on the outside of their buildings to get them backhauled to the Internet, and it was a way for them to provide the service basically at cost. So it was a lot cheaper for the residents and businesses to access uh, the Internet Whereas the telecom providers, uh, even if they were providing service to some of these residents, were doing it at much higher costs. It sounds like we've got a lot of counties doing many innovative things and really have determined among themselves that broadband is a priority for them through edu- through, for education, for economic development, and for other means, for health care. So that's good to know. And it looks like VACO is on the right track to advocating for efforts, you know, the state to be a partner with us along with private industry and the deployment of broadband to unserved and underserved areas. What other opportunities are out there for us? Sure. So one of the exciting things is is we're starting to see recognition uh, amongst uh, different players of the game that haven't really been brought to, to the fore yet, such as the Virginia Department of Transportation is recognizing that as they build their fiber network along a lot of the state highways to connect for communication purposes for transportation, that there's a lot of fiber that what they call dark fiber, it's unlit, that could be available. And that presents an opportunity for local governments and counties to access that with, say, a public pri- or a private provider to provide that last mile service off that main trunk. The other thing that we're seeing is that the General Assembly uh, recently through legislation dealing with the modernization of the electric grid is actually directing uh, Dominion Power and Appalachian uh, Power Electric Company to go ahead and give a report on what could be uh, utilized on their infrastructure to provide uh, Internet access. And so we're excited about those opportunities. And don't we have an op-ed? that we're trying to to put out to educate the general citizens about what needs to be done in rural Virginia? Yes, Dean, we have one put together, and we're hoping it'll come out in the next few weeks, but um, we are working on something, and um, we're probably going to be seeing another op-ed from one of our other stakeholder partners, the Virginia Rural Broadband Coalition, which we also have been working with um, as we've been putting together our blueprint. So obviously there's an appetite across the state to deal with this issue, and really VACO is one of those voices that's out in front. Joe, Kaki, thank you both for being here and and talking about connectivity in rural Virginia, helping to deploy broadband in unserved and underserved areas. Uh, Thank you for being with the County Pulse. 
happy to be here.